Hello and welcome to the Translation Company Talk, a weekly podcast show focusing on translation services and the language industry. The Translation Company Talk covers topics of interest for professionals engaged in the business of translation, localization, transcription, interpreting, and language technology. The Translation Company Talk is sponsored by YYZ Translations. Your host is Sultan Ghaznawi with today's episode. Hello and welcome to the Translation Company Talk. I'm your host, Sultan Giznawi, and I'm pleased to have a special guest with us today. Cecilia Enbeck joins me from Sweden to talk about the Nordic translation market. This is a very competitive market and presents unique challenges for language industry players in this region. Cecilia will discuss the intricacies and unique opportunities in this region. Cecilia has been in the language industry for quite some time. She first joined Translator Scandinavia, which was a small company at a campfire about 25 years ago. Today, she is the CEO of this language company with 15 employees based in Stockholm, Sweden. Translator Scandinavia works with a mix of direct customers based in Sweden as well as suppliers to other language companies, mainly for the Swedish language, along with some other Nordic languages. Cecilia is a board member of the Association of Swedish Language Service Providers. She is also a proud co-organizer of the Nordic Translation and Interpreting Forum, working alongside Anne-Marie Colliander-Lind, and this forum will hold its 10th annual conference this year in a new format. So, without any further ado, here is Cecilia. Welcome to the Translation Company Talk, Cecilia. Thank you, Sultan. I'm glad to have you on the show. Um, I'm excited that you're here. Let me uh, start with uh, our first question. Uh, tell me, how did you start in the translation industry, Cecilia? Was it by design or by accident? It was totally by accident. And I actually has a, have a background within the scout movement. So I was out with a group of younger scouts together with another group from the same area where we're living. And then I sat by the campfire and met this old old no he was not old he was my age that time <laughs> mr gunnar carlson and he we were talking about uh, what i was supposed to do because i was still, had just finished my university studies and there was a recession in sweden at that time in the mid 90s so no one with a higher education got a good job i would say so a lot of people had double education. My husband, for instance, he did a doctorate. Uh, a few others continued to to study for as long as was possible. So here I sat by this campfire and complained about my, my me, me and myself. And then Gunnar said to me, well, I have a little, I have two small companies, but compu- don't you come and work for me? So one of the small companies were a translation company. So uh, I started working with them. Uh, And I had no background whatsoever in languages. I studied economics, statistics and political science and some German. Uh, But I'm interested in languages and I'm very curious. So I said, how hard can this be? So we actually started out then having uh, just the two of us working together. Uh, It was going to have been a freelancer for many years for one of the first companies in Sweden uh, in Tverbum. So he was working with them and then the Old, old owner of Interverbum wanted to could do something together with Gunnar on a high level basis. So that's where we started Translator Scandinavia. So, or we, I said them, start, they started Translator Scandinavia. So Gunnar and I, we started out with doing 3,000 words a day to 30,000 words a week and then uh, proceeding going up to uh, 100,000 words a month or 115,000 
thousand words a month and so on and so forth. So uh, after a few years, uh, I we decided that it was time to grow and we I was made the CEO and then we started to hire a lot of people as well. So we, yeah, a lot of the people, I would say, from from the the ones we we hired in those in the late 90s are still with us so for instance carolina kinemann who's my business partner now right. we hired her at this, that time so so now she and i own the company so <laughs> very interesting looks like uh, um, this is a company where there's a lot of loyalty from employees and they're interested absolutely. to stay for a long time absolutely absolutely and and have you always been in this industry since you first came in or you've uh, had the opportunity to go outside and, and venture to see what's happening in other industries, other sectors? Nope. <laughs> so you just stayed here. You like it. Yeah, yeah I'm very comfortable. I, I like my comfort zone. <laughs> no, but uh, no, I've, I've only been in this industry, but it's so fascinating, I think, to be in this industry because you can always find uh, a good way of learning things, I would say. Uh, there are no people that is so uh, that has so much knowledge than translators and you can always uh, talk in any wherever you are you can talk about anything because you've read about it or you've had a translation about it or you had a client uh, working in this and that area or so that's what's well, fascinating i think absolutely that's something i find very fascinating as well because not only you can connect with someone anywhere in the world uh, who's in the same industry, but it's also very addictive because most people who come in, uh, they feel so comfortable, they feel so much at home that they do not want to switch careers after that. No, I think so. And it's also rather free, I would say. You can do whatever you want to do about it. If, you, if you're good at it, you, you, can, do, you can adapt your, your work to what, what's nice and fun for you to do so you can develop it in any direction i would say absolutely and and, and since you you started uh, you know that that very early days that you came into this industry uh, how would you define the changes that have happened uh, in the language industry in general and then um, and your area of um, geography, whether it, uh, you call it Scandinavia or Nordics, how have things changed and shaped since you first came into the scene? Well, you know, faxes and uh, diskettes uh, no longer exist. Uh, we of were among the, fir- <laughs> among the first uh, companies to, to have a Trados license when they were li- released in the 1990s. And my business partner, Carolina, she was actually hired by us to implement Trados uh, at this early stage. So... She must know everything about it. So I think uh, being curious uh, on the technology has sort of always was our guiding star, so to say, to 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 uh, to find good ways and and use of the technology that's at hand. So uh, that that's I mean that that's something we absolutely have. What mm-hmm. would you say? Uh, we have been uh, yeah. That that's been the most interesting trip uh, or path to go on having uh, being on this uh, technological path that's developed during the years because that's something that I I wouldn't have been here if it was still the diskettes. <laughs> and would you say that the technology helped you deliver more volume, uh, better quality? How would you define this evolution? Like I know technological uh, changes happen in every industry, but 
from where you're sitting, from your vantage point, how did technology change things for you? Well, it changed us to be a better company, I would say, to be, to deliver better quality and to, to um, especially to be more consistent with terminology and uh, deliver higher quality to our clients, I would say. And also making, building processes along the way that fitted uh, the the demands of the client. Uh, I have a few other technology-related questions, but I'll, I'll come back to that in a moment. The subject of our uh, discussion today is uh, focus on, on the Nordic translation market. I don't know too much about it, to be honest with you. Can you please tell us uh, what this market's composition is like and what is the current situation there? Uh, I must first say that I I talk to you now or uh, to the listeners uh, as uh, as a company owner and not uh, I'm not an analyst or anything like that. So I take it from my perspective, which I hope is fine. Of course, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I for, for the translation market in the Nordics is very, very specific. I mean, we have a lot of the biggest players are based here. There has also... Uh, been a lot of uh, uh, acquisitions from uh, so th- so there are a lot of large companies very large companies especially in Sweden uh, that has uh, a lot of extra money from the risk from uh, what do you call them venture companies that they have venture come in yes. yeah venture capitalists and they have come in and sort of seen that there is yeah there are money to be made in, in the in this this area so so a lot of <laughs> Uh, yeah, the the big companies have bought more companies, and uh, so there's a lot of uh, consolidation, but also very highly competitive market, I would say. Um, since the the Nordics is a very small but uh, highly developed region, and we also have a lot of exporting companies, so there has always been a need for translations or for language competence, which also means that uh, there is uh, there are quite a few companies and and also a lot of work to do. Uh, and, and what drives the the demand for um, translation or localization in this market? I think it's the exporting companies. And, and, and the exporting historically has been, I mean, from going from the, the old steel and mining and whatever companies that Atlas Copco's, the ABBs and so on, into nowadays uh, sort of IT companies with the Spotify's, the, the app companies and so on. So, so it's still the same type of uh, curiosity on the on to to be seen from other sides, so to say. I mean, it's no, but I think a lot of the things that go. I mean, this is a highly competitive market, and the 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 it's driven by the the. The, the need of the customers because the customers want to go abroad they want to export they want to to be a part of a bigger thing because the nordics isn't enough i mean we're not that many people living here and the 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 outside world is much bigger so of course you want to export your things and then languages is a is a big thing of course a lot of companies write in english as that's their company language, uh, but uh, official company language. But they can, of course, not sell everything in, in in into English, and they need other languages. So I would say, the market has. If you want to be successful, you need to translate, and that's what Swedish co- or Swedish and Nordic companies have realized. I would say, and then also the EU is uh, is a driver for the languages. Because it says in in directives that you need to translate texts into the uh, into the target language, so to 
of the exporting. So w- w- would you say that there is more volume going from Nordic languages into non-Nordic languages uh, because of the exports? Or is it vice versa? It could be also because um, a lot of companies want to be in the Nordics as well. And they want us us to be able to read their stuff too. So, I mean, it's it's a two-way direction. Because it's a a rich area and uh, and people want to... Uh, want to be there, so to say, and they want to sell their stuff. And I, and as we both know, it's the easiest way of se- of selling your stuff is to do it in the target language. And uh, so, if you were to break down the Nordic uh, region as a whole uh, into the countries that they are, uh, where would you say that most of the hotspots for translation are at this stage? In Sweden. So Sweden's the biggest consumer of translation. Yes. Yes. Okay. And 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 why is that? Is it because Sweden has started to uh, accept multicultural um, and diverse uh, populations, or is it because those other countries that are more um, conservative in terms of uh, focusing on their own languages? I think it's because Sweden is the biggest economy. I mean, we're twice as big as everyone else. So okay, that makes sense. Now let's yeah. discuss people's attitudes towards foreign languages. I know that Sweden has embraced foreign languages quite well. How does translation play a role in all of this? Well, um, we have the minority languages and we have the immigrant languages, of course. Uh, and uh, that's, of course, something that's very... They they have to have be... Tra- in Sweden, I would say, we have the minority language and a lot of immigrant languages as well. That's not the same case in the other Nordic languages, but for, for Sweden, that's the case. So this means that it's a lot of government-driven translations that you need to translate into the minority and especially the immigrant languages. A lot of interpreting into the immigrant languages and we were also a hub in the 2015 crisis where we took a lot of refugees on board and the demand for interpretation was huge at that time. It's now being less, but now we see more of a translation side of that because they are here in, in based in, in the Nordics now. But I mean, it's two types of translations. Of course, you have the big governmental contracts, which you also have in, in Finland and in Denmark. Uh, but you also then have the industry. And, and that's two type of different type of that's different type of translations and translators doing that. So, so I would say it's it's divided into to governmental translations and industry translations for all 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 countries. Yeah, and yeah, of okay. course. And that applies to the whole region of, of Nordics. Yes. I mean, that's the same, I would say, for for uh, for Canada as well. Don't you agree? Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So when we're talking about the industry or the enterprise uh, environment, uh, I mean, every country has its own industries that, that drives uh, different types of work. What about uh, the Nordics? What's the main industry in Canada, for example, logging? or uh, petrochemical engineering and so forth, they, they drive quite a bit of a demand in IT as well these days. So what are some of these enterprises and, 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 and Nordics that drive uh, the need for language? Yeah, I would say, uh, as you said, wood, forestry and wood companies, paper industry, uh, uh, IT, of course, uh, telecom, telecom, and also uh, steel, uh, uh, what would I say more, um, uh, mining. Uh, so there is quite a, uh, a bit of a variety there. And, and yeah. what uh, language pairs are um, in, in demand in Nordic regions? Uh, 
are there ones that stand out? I would say uh, a lot of things goes into English, of course, uh, and then it's the, it depends on where the companies have their their the customer base. Uh, I mean, it's a lot of multilingual European, of course, and and then also from into uh, from all other languages into the Nordic uh, Nordic languages as well. But but then we have the immigrant languages, and in Sweden it's uh, Arabic that's the biggest one, and then we also have Finnish as a big uh, into Finnish and into Arabic and vice versa of course when it comes to uh, sort of uh, certificates and so on but I, I would say the, the the common European languages are the, the big ones and English is the by by most uh, the the highest one if you just look at my company we have a quarter of what we do is into English uh, I see so uh, the, the content that's generated and in these Nordic uh, nations are they generated with the English uh, reader in mind? Uh, what I'm trying to say is that do they need translation or some of them, as you alluded earlier, they're created in English, in English to begin with so they can bypass the translation process? Uh, well, they speed up the translation process, I would say, and instead of going to, to go via English first. But uh, then, of course, they, uh, uh, they, uh, they take... They they need to have the the languages that's where they where they are exporting of course and, uh, and that's hard to know for each individual company what they are, but but I would say it's the it depends on where they are where their markets are. I see. L- let's talk a, a little bit about uh, content that goes out of Nordex. How much of it gets translated and uh, as you said it's it's English, but what other languages do you? commonly see these content being translated into? I would say mostly the the European languages and of course the Asian, but mostly the European, since you have to have this, according to EU law, you need to translate uh, instructions and manuals and stuff like that into the European language. And then you cover quite a lot of languages with that. Sorry to interrupt there. One question I was going to ask you is that uh, for people who are listening to this podcast, most of them are probably not in the Nordic, so they would like to know what does Nordic nations export and to where? I'm guessing they have a lot of trading with European countries, but are they also establishing themselves into Africa and, and Asian countries? Do you see potential down the road that uh, there will be demand for translation of uh, Nordic uh, or English language for this area into these other th- languages? Yeah, that- I would say they, they already are, especially the Asian, uh, Asia and the and, uh, I don't know, African, not at the moment, but uh, Asian, absolutely, there are already a lot of Swedish uh, or Nordic companies already present there. Okay, so that's good news because that will drive um, this industry forward um, with those languages. Let's talk a little bit about Nordic countries. When we think of them, they are very advanced in terms of technology adoption, environmental thought leadership, and they have a special place in the global socio-political sphere. How does all of that drive the language translation and localization business in your opinion? I would say that since this region is a rather small region, um, I mean, people-wise, we're not that many people living here, but we have, but we're very curious and interested in the people in the surrounding world. And um, as there is, uh, I would say, uh, this this is a rich region, with a lot of money in it, but also uh, people who are people who have money and they can invest. And and they, uh, I would say that if if you have yeah if you live in this this uh, high 
cost area and you need to be very thoughtful on how you use your money because everything is expensive. So I think that this has driven a lot of efficiency thinking and you have to uh, find a way of making people very good at what they do. So, so that's why I think that people in this area is, is very, as you say, their thought, the thought leadership needs to be there because you can't afford to lose the people you train, right. uh, if you see what I mean. Um, and in Sweden, I don't know how it is in Finland, Denmark and Norway, but in Sweden, at least, it's very hard to get rid of people. So you need to be, you need to be very sure that they are, do their best and that they actually perform the way you want to, because very hard to, 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 to replace them. Uh, if you, if they, if you, you, you need to have a very good ground uh, and uh, to tell them that you're not wanting them to be with you anymore. So, uh, so I think that this, uh, the leadership you have to have to be able to have these type of uh, employees that's very loyal is, is as you say, a very thoughtful and uh, consensus driven leadership it's it's all about sustainability that's very popular term this year this <laughs> at the moment but we we need to to be sustainable in all in all what we do uh, absolutely i couldn't agree with you more uh, let, let me uh, uh, well let me rephrase this i would like to know about innovation and uh, language companies across sweden and uh, nordic countries in general how would you interpret technology adoption, service innovation, and staying relevant um, where you are and within the environment that you operate in? I would say that's on top of my of everyone's list because you need to you need to have uh, the right uh, IT equipment and IT infrastructure and and all of these countries are uh, have a very good very high level of IT infrastructure and that's needed today I would say. Uh, we need to we need to be efficient, as we talked about earlier. And and is there anything that uh, Nordic companies uh, that are doing that's different compared to what other companies within our industry do outside Nordic uh, regions? No, maybe because we live in this high cost area that we need to be even more uh, thoughtful on what we invest in and what we. Where we put our money, and that when we do when we do put our money somewhere, it's it's supposed to be a really efficient solution at the end. So, I see. I I know you mentioned this earlier. You're not an analyst, and I'm not going to ask you this question <laughs> in that capacity. But what is the overall size and makeup of the language mark market in the Nordics? Is there like a rough idea that you have? Um, yeah, I actually did some research on this too, uh, and I had to ask uh, one analyst, an analyst, and she said, "Oh, I don't know," uh, but <laughs> then she, her guess was as good as mine, and I also double checked with a Finnish colleague, and we decided that it was approximately 500 million US dollar, which to be compared to the size that NIMSI says, let me see my notes again, it should be, uh, the NIMSI says it's 57 billion US dollar at, in total. So this means that the Nordics is about 1% of the total estimated volume. That's a very sizable volume, uh, if you ask me. 
Yeah, of course, but I just made a made a com quick comparison. I saw. Uh, absolutely, and and as you are aware, a lot of mergers and acquisitions have been happening in the top and middle tier um, language company segments. Do you see demand for um, Scandinavian and Nordic language companies in the M&A space? That's already happened. <laughs> Tell us yeah, more. <laughs> yeah, 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 you know, uh, 10 years ago, there was, I think about 10 years ago, uh, we had the first uh, venture capitalist coming into our uh, business, in, the, in Sweden at least. And they uh, they bought a group of companies that turned out to be uh, Semantics now, whom everyone knows about. Right, right. So they they are here in the Nordics, of course. That's a that's our biggest one. But then we also have presence from uh, RBS in in the form of SDL. So I mean now that's RBS, and also Accolade has made a substantial substantial buy in in the Nordics as well when they bought AC Global two years ago. Then we also have Transperfect Liabridge and Star that's also been here for a very long time. So I mean we have the presence of the international uh, players. And then also we have uh, the Polish Somalingua bought uh, Communicera two years ago as well, uh, the Swedish Gothenburg based company. So I mean it's not only from bigger bigger investors coming also a bit smaller and then also we have the a lot of international or one at least international uh, subtitling company we haven't talked about subtitling that was something i was thinking yeah, i would about like too. to hear about that yeah, like because, is that something that's driving the industry as well and and the Nordics? yes yes because i i um, when we talk when when uh, when you're supposed to describe uh, when i'm supposed to describe the, the the market a lot of the the curiosity on in uh, in languages is from that it's it's because we we don't have dubbing we have subtitling so so all the films and uh, news reports and the documentaries or whatever you see or even ch children's program they're not dubbed they're subtitles so you from an early age you you hear how a different language sounds and then that makes you curious to to find out what they really say so i think uh, subtitling is also a big issue well, well that that's interesting because uh, most of the content coming into English most of the time gets dubbed or there's voiceover for it. So in Scandinavia or in, in the Nordic region, I guess most of it appears as a, it's a transcription. Yes. It's a subtitle of what's being yes, said on the yeah. screen, right? Yeah, and that's a, that's a total uh, area of itself. So, I mean, with the university educations and everything. So that's the same in, in all the Nordic countries, actually. So uh, that's something we have in common. Uh, so, I mean, we have the, the big uh, plint that are doing uh, subtitling for Netflix now. So, I mean, they <laughs> rose like a star from nothing to a lot of money. So, just doing Netflix. So. Wow. And and what what would you say the percentage in terms of the overall load of uh, language work is for uh, dubbing or for the entertainment industry? Not dubbing, but sub subtitling. I would say from the Swedish, from this is only Sweden. Uh, I don't know about the other. I would say it's like twenty five percent. Okay, well that's a, that's a very sizable amount. It is. I know. All right. Let's let's talk about foreign companies. Um, is there room for foreign non-Nordic LSCs to enter this market? 
What should they expect if they're planning to start operations there or merge with another language company in, in the Nordic region? I think they <laughs> should expect all this, the other trouble that they would have the, doing the same thing in their own region or in their own country. I mean, it's, <laughs> always, it's, always, it's always a hassle to merge companies. I would say we, my company merged with a really small three-person company almost 10 years ago and uh, we still have difficulties <laughs> interacting in some way <laughs> i mean <laughs> that's uh, uh, it depends on on every everything depends on, on how well you do it i would say but but i think you need to be you need to be open mindedness uh, seeing seeing the people in the company of course and also making sure that they feel well and that they they that they trust you trust is very important i think are there any cultural differences when it comes to other European countries that a new entrant to the Nordic region should be aware of uh, when it comes to uh, doing business there? Yes, I think, um, or I know, the Nordics are much more direct than the, than the normal than norm than is normal in the rest of the world. I would say. Right. I mean. I often don't understand what pe- why people are so going around in circles. I don't understand that because I'm already buying or not. <laughs> so, so that might be a little problem. <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they they have to be more direct, I guess, and and they have to make sure that they have clear lines of communications, and that's what is expected of them, right? Yes. Absolutely, and uh, and also be uh, be open-minded and uh, and uh, trust the people. As I said, trust the people that you that you want to work with because if you trust them, they will definitely give you the best. Yeah, we briefly uh, touched on this earlier. Lifestyle and cost of living drives prices up for everything, um, including translation and interpreting. I'm guessing. How does that affect the spending power of companies trying to export into uh, the Nordics region? Does it affect their translation budget? Um, do they accommodate all of these things? I don't know, actually. I, d- I assume it depends on because um, if you spend much then p- uh, on the translation and localization, and then you get a better response from the other side and people buy more from you. I don't know. It's probably a market question i don't know laws of marketing <laughs> of course the be- the better the the what would you say the, your uh, your word or your written uh, communication is the better you will get out of the the better you will get uh, good feedback or good sales and the market outcome will be will be higher for you i assume of course the quality of your content will define your roi so that makes sense uh, how do you see the the Nordic market evolving in the next two to four years? What are your thoughts? Is, do, you see, do you see growth there? Yes, uh, I think uh, I think since I mean we we will eventually touch on the COVID question anyway. So uh, I mean the the past few months have uh, made uh, have been. I would say overwhelming for a lot of companies, and they have to rethink the way they're do they're working. And I think a lot of of people are are going out of their normal comfort zone and are thinking about languages in a way, and they're thinking about exporting, and they are thinking of other other markets. So so languages will be a, a, another way uh, of doing it. And I think that we have definitely uh, seen uh, an increase in in demand for some sector in our business. 
And, and, and I know you just mentioned COVID. Uh, let's talk about that subject. We cannot avoid it, of course. Um, <laughs> it's everywhere, of course. It's, it's a yeah, global yeah. thing. We all know that Sweden didn't impose a, a lockdown. How did that affect the business for you and other companies in this space? But that's a misunderstanding. We didn't have a mandatory lockdown, but we had a, a voluntary lockdown. So that means that people who needed to go to work should be able to be able to go to work in a safe on a, in a safe way. So the people like my company, uh, people working for companies like us, they they who didn't don't have to commute to an office space to be able to produce their thing, they should stay out of the of commuting. So that's the thing that they did. So what we decided in my office was that we should stay work from home, uh, as not to commute in the in the time in the in the rush hours so the people who work in hospital who work in in, in medical industry and so on so that they could work uh, on on their time so uh, where, where where it's needed because we we don't need to go contribute to to the rush hours so that's what people did and that's been very successful i would say a lot of uh, companies have uh, rearranged the way of working in in a lot of ways and and the people who who are on on the in the surroundings or in the in the offices they they are the people that really needs to be there so it's been a people have thought it's been a caring way of of uh, of avoiding a, a, a man- mandatory lockdown. I would say it's a soft lockdown. And what would you say the impact of that was for business in general? Did this pandemic create new areas of business in your region? If so, were these exploited properly? Yes, I think, uh, I mean, uh, people had to rush their their investments in some way. We have seen an increase in demand for translation of, yeah, of e-commerce, e-learning, and of course, medical technology and medicine so uh, areas. So uh, I say that's common for most of, of the language companies. And, and also, uh, if I look around if in my, <clears throat> from my uh, sort of friends and and uh, family area then people have who have worked uh, they have changed their their way of working if they if you work with uh, with education as i said then then maybe you are developing this e-learning uh, module that you were thinking of but now you forced it it came earlier but that's something that's global i think that type of changes do you see the people's habits and uh, their working um, relationship with their companies are changing as a result of this pandemic in your area? Yes, I think I don't think we will get back to working in the same way we did before. Uh, we we uh, I don't think I don't think offices will be the same as as they were. They will be for other things than to sitting there all day working together. I mean, it's a positive thing for, of course, because you don't commute, but it's also negative for for the for the for the individual growth. I think so. You need to find other ways of uh, knowing what your client, what your co- colleagues are doing, and to uh, make them better at their work without seeing them. I mean, when you see people, you know what they. You can see when they hesitate or when they have problems, but uh, working on a distance, yeah, as a manager, you have 
problems seeing what they're doing so and seeing what they so that i think that's new ways of working and new ways of uh, of communicating and and uh, transparency uh, will be be needed uh, i i'm curious to know um about the the habits of the people in the nordics region um how social they are how often do they get together has it affected the way that people enjoy their lifestyles uh, now that they have to communicate digitally with each other as opposed to physically? And, and, and I guess the question I'm trying to ask here is, will there be opportunities that will present themselves for our industry, for example, to perform uh, virtual interpreting and provide, uh, you mentioned earlier that uh, uh, content uh, subtitling is growing massively for uh, um, uh, online uh, media services like N- Netflix because more people are at home and more people are consuming that content. Yeah. Where would you see opportunities are for our industry and in, within the Nordics region? Yeah, as you say, it's uh, developing this. And, and I would say for, for companies to, uh, I'm thinking that to, to develop for for us as a company we would probably need to invest in a uh, find find an IT guy in our IT company that need that help us going further on <laughs> because right, right, right. that's that's something that that technology uh, of course yeah that technology drives uh, well in your opinion like do you think that the lifestyle of the nordic people will generate more demand for translation yeah it depends on if they want to uh, uh, if they want to f- still uh, watch uh, Netflix and have it in Swedish, of course they have to, or or <laughs> other <do. laughs> other streaming services. But also, uh, yeah, media content, of course, is always uh, in big demand. So okay, and and let's talk about uh, events. We're talking about socializing. So we all love our conferences and trade shows. That's where we met last time, I think. At yeah, the yeah, yeah. that's true. Uh, with everything moving online, are you attending uh, any events this year? Um, are there any Nordic-focused events that you will be attending? Uh, I have so far this year not attended so many events. I was at the last uh, event in Denmark before the lockdown. It was actually uh, before the border closed. That was actually the, just the Sunday and on the Monday the border closed to Denmark. So that was celebrating the Danish Translators Organization celebrating 30 years. So that was the last event I went to. That was physical. And then I have been visiting one of the smart cat events and one of the gala events but that's it but then i am a bit strange because i don't only do translations i also have a small company together with Anne-Marie Colliander Lin and we do the nordic translation and interpreting forum so our 10th anniversary this year was supposed to be held in style in Reykjavik but no so we are doing a sort of combined or a public viewing event instead. So we are hoping that we can find 50 people that is allowed in Sweden to come and be on the same safe place. And uh, we do a small one day conference with a local with local speakers. And then we have a public viewing with hubs or satellites watching from uh, other Nordic countries, which we hope will be a success. So we have uh, at the moment three hubs that will uh, join the main conference in, in Stockholm. So 
and tell us about this conference. What's what topics will be discussed, and is it going to be in English? It's going to be in English because we have an international public uh, and audience, uh, and we uh, we have a futurologist, Magnus Lindqvist, who is the main speaker. And we we have not set the program yet. That's the thing, but we want to have uh, topics that are. Uh, up to the date. It's a lot about uh, thinking, uh, leadership, planning and management uh, questions. So I'm, I can tell you more in a few weeks, but not now. <laughs> I see. Well, we are excited. Uh, I'm sure lots of people would love to hear about it and yeah. uh, to attend it. So um, that's good to know. As we are reaching towards the, the end of this discussion, uh, there's so much to talk about and, and, and I'm enjoying this so much. Can you share some inf- advice for uh, other language company executives who are interested in the Nordic market? What they should think about or uh, what did you say? Overall, if they wanted to do business with the Nordic region, for example, if they wanted to form partnerships or to to find vendors in the Nordic region and all coins, you're basically yeah. promoting the region, right? Yeah, yeah, that's true. No, but what, <laughs> but what I'm, uh, I'm thinking of is most. Um, it's hard to get the Nordic people to come out. Uh, Carolina and I often find ourselves pretty lonely as the Nordic uh, representatives when we used to be in the in the, the in the old world when we used to go to conferences. Uh, we we were not that many Nordic companies, so so uh, you need to come here. You need to go to the Nordic events. You need to find, uh, yes, to to find people. You because you can't, you won't, you won't find them on international events. But you need to go to the region, and you need to to know what you're looking for, and you need to have a, a good offer for them. I think they want to be courted. Uh, and uh, do you see that more international companies from the U.S. and elsewhere um, will be planning to? go to the Nordic region and expand there, what advice would you have for them? Yeah, I would say the same. Come here and, and talk to people and find people you like and who like you and they then they can, they, then you can start to talk business after that. Okay. And, and money doesn't, money isn't always a, a factor. Uh, that That's because you, you want to know if if you're supposed to sell your company or you want to form partnership with someone, you want them to be the nice guy. You want them to, it want it should be feel it fe, should feel. I mean, it depends on the personal fault. But for me as a person, I, I want I want if I'm supposed to sell my company, I want it to be to to someone that I trust that will take care of my legacy. And that's something that you need to have been that take care of my people that I have raised. I mean, they they should be taken care of. And that's the same thing as I said with earlier with the as you call it the sustainability the sustainability in leadership that we need to need to take care of our people and that's that's something that you should think of when going to sweden or to to the nordics that you need to take care of your people absolutely well uh, cecilia if someone wanted to uh, learn more about the nordic market in general uh, your thoughts about topics discussed today or about your company how should they get in touch with you uh, they can find me at uh, in our on our website so it's translator-scandinavia.com uh, or i'm on linkedin uh, my name is cecilia inbeck which is fairly easy it's also i also have a second cousin but it's not her it's you suppose you should look for me for translator scandinavia <laughs> <laughs> she- <laughs> 
Uh, hopefully she's yeah. not in the translation industry. So. No, she's not. So that's very good. But she has the same name as me. Uh, so, but I'm also on social media in any position you want to find me. <laughs> of, of course, I'm sure people will be able to locate you. Absolutely. And uh, with that, Cecilia, I want to thank you for speaking with me today and sharing your knowledge and uh, experience about the Nordic and Scandinavian translation market. I'm sure our um, listeners enjoyed this discussion as much as I did. I hope to have you uh, in a future episode where we can discuss in much more detail a specific topic that is relevant to your area of expertise. I appreciate your time. Thank you a lot, Sultan, for inviting me. As always, I'm going to talk about three products on this episode that language company executives may find helpful. Today, I will be talking about social media tools. First on my list is LinkedIn. I have reviewed LinkedIn in the past as well. It is an amazing place for connecting with people from within or outside your industry establishing relationships, and given its B2B nature, it is the go-to place for business. I'm seeing a lot more people utilizing LinkedIn these days, but some confuse this tool as a personal social media platform. So try to avoid posting personal content there. It is a 10 out of 10 from me for helping you grow your business. Facebook is second on this list today. Although I don't use it that much, but given Facebook's personal connection uh, platform, It is a great tool to reach people. Vendor managers and recruiters from the translation industry may find this social network very useful with almost half of the world population on it. It's a great tool for scouting and recruiting. It has many other applications like the Messenger, Instagram, WhatsApp, and so on. Each is unique, but overall part of the Facebook family of tools. I will give it a 10 out of 10 as well. Twitter is third on my list. It allows you to let people follow you and to deliver your message in a short form to your following. While primarily a news-sharing social platform, Twitter has great potential for connecting with your customers and keeping them informed about your service and offering. I will give Twitter a 9 out of 10 in the context of B2B language services. That was a very interesting conversation with Cecilia Enbeck from Translator Scandinavia AB. She is based in Sweden and she gave us a very interesting perspective and view of the Nordic's translation and localization market. I'm sure you found it interesting and hopefully it can help you with your business. As always, I welcome your suggestions and feedback. You know how to reach me. Make sure to subscribe to the Translation Company Talk podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts or your favorite platform. Until next time. Thank you for listening. Make sure to subscribe and stay tuned for our next episode.